Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Uh, you've heard the old phrase, of course, the justice delayed is justice denied. Well, that seems to be what's going on with a uh, rather controversial case that's uh, been before the Hamilton courts for quite some time. Uh, Susan Claremont, award-winning uh, writer for the Hamilton Spectator, writes about it in today's edition. Drawn-out criminal trial faces yet another delay. And uh, Susan Claremont joins us on the Bill Kelly Show to explain this. Morning, Susan. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm good, Bill. Uh, th- this is a head-scratcher. I mean, yeah, I, I love reading your stuff because you bring us up right into the courtroom about what's going on. And, uh, and, and of course, also at the same time explain all about process. And process seems to be the victim in, in, in this trial that you've, you've written about today. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a big, become a big part of this case. Um, this case has been, the trial's been going on for 13 months, making it uh, the longest trial we've ever had in Hamilton. And that's a real problem because there's new legislation in Canada that limits the amount of time it should take a, a case to move through the system. And we've heard, and you've written in the past, about some cases and, and where there have been so many delays that the judge has actually just said, Let, let's forget it, charges are dropped, go, you can go your own way. Uh, which a lot of people, of course, just shake their heads at and say, well, what's wrong with the system? How can that sort of thing happen? But there have to be some parameters, as you've said. And, and I guess the question that, that we're asking as we read your piece today is, who's bragging the puck here? Why is this taking so long? Well, you know, there's a lot of reasons why this case has, has been in the court system for so long. But I would say that the, the, the top reason is one that we've heard about many, many times before, which is just our bogged down court system. Um, you know, I'm sitting in the John Sapinka courthouse right now while I'm talking to you. And, um, you know, every courtroom in this building is busy and full Every judge has a schedule that's overflowing with cases. It, we, we just can't get through our cases quick enough because there aren't the, the judges in the courtrooms to do it. The, uh, the trial to which we're referring, by the way, is, is the, uh, the Safter trial. Uh, and it's, it's, it's in and in itself, the allegations that are, are put forth in this thing are, are rather disturbing. And, and, and I think, obviously, an awful lot of us that have been following uh, your reporting on this, Susan, are saying, look, we want to get some conclusions of this. We want to get some closure as, as to what's going on here, because this, uh, this is pretty serious stuff. It is very serious. It's a domestic violence case with three members of the Safdar family accused of um, confining and torturing um, the wife of, of one of their family members. And, you know, there's a lot hanging in the balance here. There's, there's um, the rights of the victim, the complainant in this, who is awaiting justice. There are the rights of the three accused whose lives have been turned upside down while they're going through this process. And there's a child involved in this and a a custody battle that's going on. So, you know, um, uh, people's lives are are put on hold while this meanders through the court system. They were arrested, uh, as you mentioned, uh, 42 months ago, April of 2015. What what is taking so long? I mean, uh, you mentioned the court system and dates, etc., and that's part of it. But uh, there's some legal wrangling that seems to be happening here, too. There's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, there's everything from um, lots of legal motions, legal arguments that have taken place um, during the course of this trial. There are accusations by the defense team that 
Um, the Crown is just simply taking too long um, when examining and cross-examining witnesses. Um, there have been scheduling issues along the way. You know, there have been points. I, I should mention that this is a, a judge alone case, so mm-hmm. there's no jury involved, which means it sort of frees the trial up in some ways to take longer than it would if there was a, a jury waiting in the wings all the time. So there have been times in this trial where, you know, we've, we've sat, we've heard evidence, and then there's a break for two months before another court date is available. Um, so it, it's just, you know, it's 13 months, and we still haven't got a verdict yet. Talk to me about this uh, motion that was put forward by the defense, or suggestion, I guess, put forward by the defense, uh, if and when we finally get a verdict on this. Just, as you wrote in the piece today, this is something that uh, has not been tried in Canada before. It hasn't. Um, it's a pretty pretty bold legal maneuver on the part of the defense lawyers. Um, so what they're asking for is um, something related to the Jordan decision, which is that new legislation I mentioned. Yeah. The Jordan decision puts a 30-month time limit, limit on any case in superior court, this, um, which is what this is. And we're already a full year past that time limit. So what the defense is asking for is um, the the remedy to a a Jordan um, application is to have the charges stayed, basically to have the case thrown out because it's taken too long. Um, But what they want is it's sort of a they want their cake and, you know, eat it too um, kind of situation. They're asking the judge, you know, we'd like a, a stay of proceedings, but only if you are deciding if your decision is going to be to to find our clients guilty. So if you're going to find them guilty, we want you to toss the whole case out and, um, you know, we can appeal and start again. But if you're going to find them not guilty, then we don't want to stay. We want the acquittal. We want the not guilty verdict. So they're, they're asking for you know, whatever works best for their client, essentially. And uh, there was some discussion in the courtroom yesterday about whether this is legally possible, whether there's any precedent. And, and in fact, it hasn't ever been tried in Canada before and may not even be legally possible. Um, certainly, Justice Andrew Goodman, the judge on this case, seemed doubtful that he could even make such a thing happen. So, um you know, we're really, really smart lawyers involved in this case on all sides, and uh, we're seeing some interesting legal things at least tried here. Uh, th- that's really bizarre. I mean, I actually, as I read your piece this morning, I actually had to reread that section and say, they're really trying to do this? In other words, we're protesting this. It's like protesting a game and saying, but if we, if we win, we're okay with it. But if we lose, then we want the protest to go through. Yeah, exactly. It is a bit of a head-scratcher. And, you know, on, on one hand, I think you, you've got to um, applaud uh, lawyers for thinking outside the box, for doing everything they can for their clients, because, God forbid, it should be you or me, um, you know, facing charges. We would want a lawyer who is doing everything they can on our behalf. 
Um, but at the same time, it seems doubtful that this is going to fly. Uh, Justice Goodman, um, you know, I think was was somewhat amused by this suggestion, and um, you know, he's a former defense lawyer himself, so I, I think he he was entertained by this, but uh, it seems doubtful that it will go anywhere. They're also seemingly hanging their hat on the, the, I guess it was a suggestion or not necessarily a prediction, uh, by uh, Assistant Crown Jeff Levy, Levy rather, uh, that this was only going to take four to six weeks. And obviously we've exceeded that. Yeah, we've, we've exceeded it by, by, you know, weeks and months. Um, yeah, the defense made uh, a big deal about that yesterday, sort of blaming the Crown for being inaccurate in his um, estimation of the, of the trial length. Um, but Jeff Levy made a good point, and that was, wait a minute, that was the estimation of my piece of this trial. I put that out there before the trial even started <clears throat> so that administrators could book the courtroom so that um, the judge would have some guidance about how long this was going to take, um, which is generally the way things are done. But, he said, the defense never did the same thing. There's some paperwork that shows that that section of the defense documents was left blank. So the defense never really ponied up and said how much uh, time they needed for their part of the case. And, and now they're turning that against the Crown attorney who, who did put it out there and, and did his job in that regard. So... You know, things were getting a little bit heated at times in the courtroom yesterday. In all the years you've been covering this stuff, Susan, have you ever seen anything like this before? Uh, well, I mean, this is certainly the longest case I've ever been on. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you think back to some of the big ones that I've done, um, the Bosma trial, which was um, actually this same judge, Justice Goodman, uh, a very complicated, very serious trial, um, six months. You know, um, the Badgero trials, there's been four of them now. Um, there's, you know, maybe three months, four months tops. So this is an unprecedented amount of time. And while there are a lot of factors in this, I, I think, you know, part of the reason that uh, I wrote that column for today's spec is, is it really highlights the seriousness of, of the, the scheduling problems in the Hamilton courthouse. You know, we just simply don't have enough judges, enough staff, enough space um, for for trials to happen in a timely manner. And, and as you write about this one, I guess we have to keep in mind that there are others on the docket that aren't even started now because this one's taking up courtroom time. It's it's a real conundrum. It is, you know, and, and that happened over and over again with this trial. You have, um, you know, someone who's ill during the trial, and, and that has happened on the Safdar case, and no one's taking issue with with legitimate illnesses, um, but then it kind of screws up the, the schedule for forever after that because everything is so um, tightly scheduled that, that if anything interferes with that schedule, then it just kind of goes off the rails. What about this the, the Damocles sword that's hanging over them here, about the time frames on this? Uh, as you say, this has already exceeded that by, by a considerable amount of time right now. Uh, did you get any indication at all from Justice Goodman that uh, that he may just toss this thing and, and stay this the, the charges? Uh, you know, he's, he's considering this um, 11B application, which is what it's called, um, very seriously. He... Uh, 
you know, he really appreciates, and he said this many times in court yesterday, um, that the the three accused have a right to a speedy trial, and, um, and, and that's really been put at risk with this case. So, um, although I don't I don't think that he's going to go for that um, uh, suggestion of, you know, maybe tossing the case or maybe not, depending on the verdict. I, I think that he he will seriously consider the 11B application and the possibility of a stay of proceedings. But on the same token, he's also trying to find some way, I guess, to bring this thing to a conclusion. Is, is there a fast track that they can get on here at this date, like the date Susan, to try to move this thing on? Well, we are pretty close to the end. Um, you know, the irony of, of the proceedings yesterday, which were all about how slow this thing is moving, um, yesterday's um, matters went so slowly that they didn't finish in time, and that has now been put over to another date later this month. But we also know that um, this is sort of the le- second-to-last stop. Um, dealing with this 11B application, and then and then after that, if if the uh, trial is not stayed, if the charges aren't stayed, then all we have left is a verdict. And Justice Goodman said that he has um, written his verdict. It's it's virtually done um, and ready to go, and you know 150 pages. And he is anxious to move on with things. But this is again you know, thrown everything off schedule. He was hoping to deliver his verdict in mid-November, and now I'm sure it'll be later than that. If the charges are stayed, does the, does the Crown have any recourse, or is that it? what's done is done? Uh, if the charges are stayed, then the Crown can appeal, and, and that is what happened at one point in the Badgerow case. If, yeah, if you remember, you and I talked about that case a million times, um, and it, it went all the way to the Supreme Court of Canada, uh, and the, the Crown won, and there was a new trial. So, um, so yeah, the, the uh, Crown can definitely appeal, and I suspect they would in this case. It's interesting that, as we mentioned off the top, that the, the process, or lack of, really, seems to have superseded uh, the facts that were presented in the trial here. But obviously, Justice Goodman has uh, is got the priority straight on this. Uh, and, and I guess he's trying to get this thing wrapped up and get a verdict on this. Uh, but I get the sense, uh, just from what you've written about uh, as you've covered this thing, that uh, it seems inevitable that no matter what the verdict is, if in fact there is a verdict rendered in this, uh, there's probably going to be some kind of an appeal. I suspect so, yes. Um, you know, these are extremely serious charges affecting three, um, three defendants, three accused, uh, with uh, a couple of very uh, experienced, very talented lawyers representing them. Um, I think if it were to, to go through and be a guilty verdict, I, I would imagine that there will be an appeal from the defense. But as you've written about in the Badger trial, and this was maybe not as extreme as that one as of yet, but with the passage of time, uh, you know, obviously the testimony of uh, people that are going to be called as witnesses. I mean, you know, memories fade. Uh, you know, things get a little bit foggy. It makes it a lot problematic, I would think, for both sides. Uh, yeah, that that certainly could be a problem. Although we haven't sort of reached, um, you know, territory of this being unheard of. You know, there are lots of cases that go on this long or longer. 
um, in terms of appeals and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're already a number of years out from the actual um, incidents that, that this trial is about. They were, um, I think, back in 2014, if I remember right. So, um, you know, so yeah. And, and, you know, I just keep thinking about there, there is a whole separate family court matter going on. And there is a four-year-old child, um, you know, sort of hanging in the balance here. Um, she's currently in the custody of her father, who is one of the accused. And, um, uh, you know, what about her? Uh, she is growing up as this trial, um, you know, wanders on. Is, is family court matter separate and apart? Can that be resolved or do they have to wait for the result of this one first? Uh, well, that's a good question. Um, the family court matter has an, another whole set of troubles, including, um, you know, they were set to, to go to trial um, when one of the um, lawyers became very, very ill. And it looks like probably the trial, um, everything's going to have to start back at, at ground zero again. Um, so uh, no matter what happens, I think we've got a ways to go on the family court matter. Well, I, I know you'll keep us posted. You're at the courtroom right now as uh, any new developments occur, but it looks like nothing's going to happen anytime soon. Uh, great piece, Drawn Out Criminal Trial Faces Yet Another Delay. Susan Claremont, thanks as always. Great talking with you again today, Susan. Thanks so much, Bill. Take care. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.